Hi everyone, today I'm going to read from an article that I wrote some time ago and I'm in the process of updating a little bit. It was called The Greatest Stoic Argued That Kindness Is More Manly Than Anger. Um, maybe we can say the last famous Stoic of antiquity. Uh, we're talking about Marcus Aurelius, of course. This article was edited actually and the title was changed, so I might change it back a bit. The subtitle is What the Philosopher Marcus Aurelius <clears throat> Believed About Masculinity. And it opens with a quote, Waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be, just be one, from Meditations 10.16. And then it continues something like this. Over the past few decades, there's been a resurgence of interest in Stoicism. People often confuse Stoicism, written in lowercase, a coping style that involves suppressing or concealing emotions, which is also called having a stiff upper lip, with Stoicism capitalised, the ancient Greco-Roman school of philosophy. Some crudely equate manliness with being tough and unemotional, or the lowercase Stoicism. I think there's a more nuanced way to understand how Stoic philosophy might inform a modern man's conception of his role in society. And obviously, that's something that's very topical at the moment and for which there seems to be a great deal of demand. Um, there are many young men out there looking for guidance and often the influencers that they're drawn to quote stoicism to them. And many people believe, um, and this is drawn, my attention was drawn to this by other people who pointed out to me that they're often misquoting or misrepresenting what Marcus Aurelius said. Um, but maybe looking at what Marcus actually said, therefore, would be of interest um, to people who are following individuals, for instance, like Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson or, you know, other uh, thinkers, influencers that uh, seem to appeal to that demographic, that community. The most famous ancient Stoic, of course, is Marcus Aurelius, who was Emperor of Rome during the height of its power. Um, I've written three books about Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I've got one that's coming out very soon. That's a biography of him called Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic Emperor from Yale University Press. Marcus was the closest thing the world has ever witnessed to Plato's ancient ideal of the philosopher king. Indeed, we're told that he frequently liked to quote Plato, saying that those states prospered where the philosophers were kings or the king's philosophers. I think it's the Historia Augusta that tells us that, if I remember rightly. Marcus did have enemies, though. In 175 AD, toward the end of his reign, Marcus faced a civil war when the governor-general of the eastern provinces, Avidius Cassius, had himself acclaimed as a rival emperor by the Egyptian legion um, and by his legion in Syria. Cassius was a cruel general, allegedly, known to torture his prisoners of war and deserters alike. He criticised Marcus for being a weak and unmanly ruler, calling him a philosophical old woman. After only three months, however, Marcus won the civil war, when Cassius's own officers ambushed and beheaded him. No statues of Cassius survive today. Actually, I think there's one that we think might possibly be, but we're not sure. 
um, and his name is all but forgotten. It would seem that Cassius's brutal brand of masculinity was not, in fact, a more efficient leadership style than Marcus's philosopher-king, or Stoic, approach. Marcus actually tackles the question of masculinity head-on in his personal notes on Stoic philosophy as a way of life, known today, of course, as the Meditations. Here's what we can learn from that ancient text. Talking about a very uh, topical contemporary question. My impression is that Marcus inherited certain old-fashioned Roman values from his immediate family, particularly his mother, Domitia Lucilla. Despite being an immensely wealthy and highly educated Roman noblewoman, she preferred a simple way of life, we're told, far removed from that of the rich. She seems to have been good friends with Junius Rusticus, who became Marcus's main Stoic tutor. I sometimes wonder whether it could have been Marcus's mother who first introduced him to the study of Stoic philosophy, which came to shape his concept of what it means to be a man. In fact, the first chapter of my biography of Marcus Aurelius is called uh, From the Mother of Caesar, and it's, it's all about his relationship with his mother and the influence that she had on him. You could say possibly in a sense that Domitian Lucilla was Marcus's first teacher at a stretch. Tragically, his father died when Marcus was a child, perhaps as young as three years old. We don't know the circumstances. Marcus only knew him through early childhood memories and what he learned from family and friends about his father's reputation, which he sums up in just two words, modesty and manliness. Other Roman nobles would have regarded modesty as evidence of weakness. Marcus, on the contrary, saw the modesty for which his father was known as a sign of his manliness and strength of character. Although he lost his father before he even had a chance to know him, Marcus was fortunate to be adopted as a teen by a Roman noble destined to become the emperor known as Antoninus Pius. Marcus made Antoninus Pius his role model in life, and decades after his adoptive father's death, Marcus would still describe himself as a disciple of Antoninus. Meditations lists in great detail the qualities Marcus most admired in his adoptive father and sought to emulate. In fact, Marcus does this twice in Meditations. The first thing he mentions is that Antoninus was gentle. He was never harsh or implacable or overbearing, Marcus writes, and he never worked himself up into a lather over anything. This is Meditations 116. For Marcus, the ability to show kindness and compassion towards others, rather than wallowing in anger, was one of the most important signs of true inner strength and manhood. In Meditations, Marcus goes into detail about Stoic strategies for mastering our feelings of anger. Incidentally, Marcus at one point suggests that he was concerned that he had problems controlling his temper, that he had a a tendency to have a quick temper, he implies. He concludes the sections of the the meditations by uh, saying something remarkably ahead of its time, and I'm going to quote it in full. Um, This is from Meditations 11.18. And when you do become angry... Be ready to apply this thought, that to fly into a passion is not a sign of manliness, but rather to be kind and gentle. For insofar as these qualities are more human, 
they are also more manly. It is the man who possesses such virtues who has strength, nerve and fortitude, and not one who is ill-humoured and discontented. Indeed, the nearer a man comes in his mind to freedom from unhealthy passions, or apatheia, as the Stoics call it, the nearer he comes to strength. Just as grief is a mark of weakness, so is anger too. For those who yield to either have been wounded and have surrendered to the enemy. Now, Marcus, like other Stoics, didn't believe that all feelings of anger and grief are signs of weakness. The Stoics accepted that there is a type of emotional reaction that's inevitable in certain situations. Here he's talking about what they called the unhealthy passions, feelings such as fear or grief that someone indulges in or and magnifies beyond the bounds set by nature. So you could say it's a pathological form of grief, a pathological form of anger. Um, the automatic reflex-like natural feelings are called the propatheiae by the Stoics. The wise man, by contrast, doesn't add to this initial spark of anger or perpetuate it any further. To do so, according to Marcus, is a sign of true weakness. Although he seemed like a powerful figure, the cruel usurper Avidius Cassius was, in this sense, actually a very weak man. Seneca says all cruelty stems from weakness. Um, Avidius Cassius lacked the strength of character and freedom from passionate grief and anger, the apatheia, exhibited by Marcus's birth father and role models, such as his adoptive father Antoninus. One of the pitfalls of defining manliness is the potential implication that women don't possess the qualities you're describing. The Stoics avoided that by insisting that the virtues are fundamentally the same in men and women. That's actually the title of a book by Cleanthes. It probably goes back to Socrates. However, the virtues manifest in superficially different ways in each of us, depending on our nature and circumstances. It would be more accurate to say that Marcus is describing prerequisites for manliness required for humans to fulfil their nature properly, insofar as these qualities are more human, as he puts it, they are also more manly. Stoics believed that anyone, whether male or female, required this moral and practical wisdom in order to reach their potential in life. Elsewhere, Marcus affirms his desire to live up to Antoninus's example and become, as he puts it, one who is manly and mature, a statesman, a Roman and a ruler. That's in Meditations 3.5. To him this means being able to perform his duties and even face death in good cheer, without being dependent uh, upon support from others. Marcus sums it up in the maxim, you must stand upright, not be held upright. Marcus repeated this striking expression of self-reliance three or four times in the meditations. Finally, he condensed it into just three Greek words, and they are, if you'll forgive my rusty pronunciation of ancient Greek, orthos me orthumenos. Um, upright, not righted by others, or upright, not set right by others. Uh, in 
it's tricky to translate it into English, but you get the idea. It's, it's very concise in the ancient Greek. Uh, this is from Meditation 7.12. That's the sort of man Marcus Aurelius admired and wanted to become. Someone with the strength of character to stand on his own two feet and like his adoptive father Antoninus before him, to repay even anger with unshakable wisdom, patience and kindness.